Welcome to A State of Mind. This is Julian Royce. And I'm going to play for you guys just a few moments of a new track from my friend Stephen Newman called Hummingbird. And he's going to be on the next episode of this podcast. So check it out. Today I'm speaking with Sammy Leon Lawrence IV for the second time on this podcast. And if you want to learn more about him, go back and listen to that podcast. I believe it was episode number 24. And in today's conversation with him, we are talking about the coronavirus pandemic, which is on everyone's mind and how we've been dealing with it, and the issue of homelessness. And Sammy is someone who knows a lot about homelessness, both from his personal experience and from the activism and work he is doing to help homeless people now that he is no longer in that situation himself. I think this is an important and timely conversation. I'm trying to get it out there as quick as I can. Um, Not that it seems like the coronavirus is going anywhere, but uh, this issue of homelessness around it seems like such an important one to me. And I think if you think about it for a moment, you'll realize it's important to you as well. Because one thing that this coronavirus has forced us to all realize collectively It's how incredibly interconnected we all are and how, you know, obviously you can catch this virus from anyone. And homeless people, generally speaking, are probably going to have a weaker immune system. You know, they're dealing with more challenging circumstances and they're less likely to be educated around things like the coronavirus and hand washing. I'm sure that's changing now. But another big point that uh, Sammy brings up is access to things like a place where you can wash your hands. So he's actually been working with some organizations that have been bringing hand washing stations to Boulder. He's been working with the city council and other people to make sure that public restrooms stay open because there has been uh, you know, a tendency for people to want to avoid something like a public bathroom because you think you might be more susceptible to getting the virus or just getting sick from going to one but you're not thinking about the homeless people that rely on public bathrooms to use the bathroom and wash their hands. So it's actually really important that we keep those open and that there's access to things like clean water, sanitation for everyone. Uh, In our conversation, Sammy mentions the NAACP, as well as SAFE, which stands for Safe Access for Everyone, and the DSA, Democratic Socialist of America, as organizations he's been working with and who he wanted to kind of give a shout out to and praise. And he also had a lot of really positive things to say about the city of Boulder and how it's responding. And I hope that wherever you are listening, that there are similarly good-hearted people who are making an effort to care for the homeless, because I think that this is a public health issue that affects all of us. So even if you are, you know, a selfish person who normally doesn't care about homeless people, Think about how this virus is impacting the whole world and how easily it could spread amongst a population of people like that that are already so disadvantaged. 
And for this conversation, we did meet in person, but we met outside in a public park and we were scrupulous about observing the quarantine protocol, keeping about six feet apart, which is about the exact length of Sammy's dragon-headed walking staff. And there is some wind noise because it got cold and windy. Welcome to Boulder. Without further ado, I bring you Sammy Leon Lawrence the Fourth. Here today with Sammy Leon Lawrence IV. Waka waka. What's up, friends? And second time we're having you on the podcast. Thanks for being on. Hey, it's an honor and a blessing. You know, my my uh, the second one of me was a military vet, so I look to him highly. Whenever I go through a second time of things, it's an honor and a humbleness. It's a humble moment to be here. I wanted to actually start for a second, if I can be bold to say that I um, actually made a mistake uh, in the last time. Made a mistake. Yeah, last time when we discussed on the podcast specifically. <laughs> I said that I was um, working with Kev, uh, Patrick Kennedy um, when I was doing youth commission work. And I made the mistake incorrectly. I spoke incorrectly. And I was supposed to have said Ke- um, Kevin McCarty for mm. District 6. I ended up having to do some research to make sure I corrected myself. And I share this with you because everyone can make mistakes, but not everyone can actually own them. Mm. Smallest mistakes and the biggest mistakes are important to help us grow to being better yeah. and being bolder. <laughs> no, it's true. It's a good message. Heck yeah. I tried to do that in my life. You know? Yeah. Catch yourself. Okay, I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And it's always better when you can name it earlier or as yeah. soon as you realize it. Yeah. And it's not always only, better. And not only just to recognize it, but to seek to, re- um, to make amends and do better and to, um, to change it. Because there's a difference between making a mistake repeatedly and not learning a lesson when you make the mistake. Yeah. You know, yep. there's a there's there's a fine line between not learning and not being able to get past the curb of being able to learn. Yeah, there's a fine line between it. You know, and there are some people who aren't who aren't there yet, and there's some people who are getting there. And I look forward and appreciate any person that can take accountability for their actions. So one of the things I wanted to share with our listeners is we are meeting outside. And observing social distancing guidelines. Yes. So this is a live infield recording. <laughs> yes. Utilizing six feet back, roughly, of space between us. I know because my walking aid, that is the dragon one we talked about before, is roughly six feet. Oh, nice. So that's one of the ways I utilize it. I try to make keep a measurement between myself and others sometimes when needed. Yeah. But not everyone has that. <laughs> you know, trying to do your best with... Um, Keeping aware is key and powerful with something that's invisible. Yeah, you know, it's difficult to fight something you can't see. And are you are you someone who's immune compromised at all? I am actually immune compromised. Yes, I have um, uh, I have asthma from uh, my tobacco smoking. Bad Sammy, bad Sammy. <laughs> but yeah, that's one of the things that actually yeah. compromises me and makes me at risk currently uh, is you are you currently a smoker yes i am currently a smoker and so i'm higher risk yes i am a higher risk and it's a very um it's 
very interesting to be someone who is knowledgeable about this virus, but also aware of how the reality of panic and chaos can get to one's mind when it comes to experiencing current events relating to the virus. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we just had a, um, a 17-year-old pass, yeah, as a I matter of fact. California, right? Yep. California, how my does hometown. It, do you feel scared? Are you personally scared about the virus? I'm a bit scared. I'm respectfully scared. Just like with me breathing fire, I have to respect the fact that fire can not only burn me, but it can kill me. Mm. And in the same way, I am aware of corona, the coronavirus just like this. I'm aware that just recently, if I'm correct, there are eight different strains that have mutated now. Oh, wow. I wasn't, I wasn't aware that my housemate was trying to tell me about that, though. It's yeah. mutating. They're seeing different strains of it. Mm-hmm. And with the different strains, one of the things they've seen is how its history from mutations goes back to the original one. And if I'm correct, it's off by two or three genomes um, or like two or three specific unique things. But there's only 100,000 or 10,000 genomes that they have put on there. So there's a lot more that we don't know fully about the virus. Like I'm no, I'm no scientist. I'm no expert. I look at the news articles and I try to make sure I decipher what's factual and right. misinformation. Yeah. And that's the best we can do right now is to be vulnerable enough to seek knowledge and to be able to be wrong right now so yeah. that way we can be right and alive. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, one of the scary things here is we just don't have full information. We have very limited information that's changing. And so yeah. anyone on the news who's like acting like they know everything about it is, yeah. is lying to you. Yeah. And that's the, that's also an interesting part as well. That's why I wanted to actually start off that, the discussion mm. today with the apology and the accountability of, you know, making a mistake because there are not going to be a lot of people that we run into that will be able to do that when it comes to this. It's going to take people getting respectfully um, on them about the <laughs> truth and speaking truthfully to it. Right. Yeah, because there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation going on. Yeah. And that's scary. Yeah. It's dangerous to be too far on one side to where you are ignorant about the potential realities. Mm-hmm. But on the polar opposite, it's even more worrisome to be so worried about the potential realities that it denies you the ability to be human. Mm. Yeah. You know, the recent events of stocking, stockpiling items, uh, toilet paper disappearing, food items, all that stuff like yeah. that. The toilet it, paper one has been hilarious to it, watch. It, it has been. I've been posting some jokes about it. But, yeah. Well, and we should, um, you know, we should. It's a fear response. It's psychological. It makes yeah. no, there's no logic there, really. No, it isn't. There isn't. There's no logic yeah. sen- logical sense at all, really, besides trying to doomsday prep. And it's, it's the fires of panic personally that i recognized from when i used to experience my beginnings of my disability mm. of my brain injuries oh no, that's an interesting connection yeah you are recognizing some of the signs of panic and yeah. people in general that you personally experienced because you have a traumatic brain injury and yeah went through that yeah. yeah you know for a while um i remember a time when my meant for at least two to three times with me experiencing mental um health issues in a major way that i had to grasp myself back to sanity you know, I had to take the time to recognize what was real and what was not and whether or not I was the one that was feeding the fire of my own worries, mm. you know? 
if you were worrying excessively, unnecessarily, yep. making things worse for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, I mean, that's scary, especially on a mass scale. Yeah. But even on a personal level, if exactly. you act out of that fear mm-hmm. and create a worse situation for mm-hmm. yourself unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are many t- moments that we have seen. Many moments. Throughout this, throughout this um, the, since current events have happened, where people have done this. Yep. And it's my hope that people learn from these people. Uh, maybe not really mock them, but... Likewise, as well, support them in a way. Can you hear me well? Is support them in a way to where they are able to see right and do right. Because yeah. we're in unprecedented times right now. Yeah, we but, really, we really are. I mean, yeah. it's, it's unpre- I mean, the whole nation is basically shut down. Yeah, and all the countries across the world. I was reading about France and yep. Japan. And- yeah, and not only that, but like likewise, <clears throat> I have to say as well, xenophobia is lightweight on a rise. And it's, a, um, it's an issue for me personally to know that there are people who are calling this virus the China virus. The Chinese virus. Yes, and the, um, the Kung flu. I've heard oh, that I recently. Heard, I haven't heard that. Yeah, that was used by a president, if I'm correct. And that was, or that was used by an elected official. Um, and it made well, news. And, actually, uh, you have, know, yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, xenophobia is terrible. And yeah. we definitely should speak out against that. I think... Mm-hmm. I think that there is a balancing act. Personally, I think like China, the Chinese government, okay? Yeah. You can talk about the Chinese government and criticize the government of China without criticizing or being racist towards Chinese people. Exactly. And the Chinese government knew about this, what was it, in November? They didn't take the appropriate things. Mm-hmm. In fact, they told doctors who discovered it to, they censored them. They said, you can't speak to the media. And then now, look, it's taken over the whole world. So exactly. the Chinese government deserves some, some serious criticism, in exactly. my opinion, but not the Chinese people who are exactly. actually suffering because of that government. Yeah. You know, I tell you also, it rem- it's reminiscent of when Pearl Harbor happened, how we had the internment camps, because sentiment during that time was very xenophobic. Yeah. It was yeah. very xenophobic. And personally, I've been to one of the internment camps of... Asian Americans from Pearl Harbor, I got to see an elder that was five to six years old named Hiro speak to me about the trauma of being there and experiencing like that. He was five, six years old when it was happening? Yes. Oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> and it's crazy to have someone from that age being 70 to 80 years old telling the story and speaking about what has happened and what he experienced. It's that kind of trauma that we could lead to potentially if we do not keep ourselves in check yeah 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 and you know likewise as well that kind of trauma is prevalent though still it's not just then in this and i've one of the things i've noticed recently is that within the um the fog of chaos there is there are actions being taken right now that are not re- are sometimes done in good intention, but still harmful. Yeah. You know, like personally, as of recent late, um, I know it's the thing we're talking about, but. Yeah, just, uh, just remember to talk towards that. Yeah, you got it better? Yeah. Better? But yeah, um, as we were, we're talking about, you know, that Boulder, Colorado has been really interesting with providing services to people who are homeless and at risk out here. In right. times so of that, coronavirus. This is something that we, one of the reasons we met to talk is yeah. um, homelessness and yeah. the coronavirus and something you know about and have been advocating yeah. about. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, because I, you know more about this than I do, <laughs> probably more than most people listening. I appreciate that. I'm humbled to, um, to 
to hear that, and I, I am I'm humbled to be able to elaborate. I want to start off with, let me go ahead and pull up my phone. I want to start off with by um, giving a little bit of an, uh, a story right quick. I had recently, uh, about like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, before we were put on lockdown, I had um, went to the sh- corner shell. And when the shell I, gas station? The shell gas station, yeah. yes. When I went over there, I had um, caught two to three people who were homeless. And this was just at the very beginning of things changing in Boulder. And as this change happened, many services such as food and shelter were either changed drastically or stopped completely temporarily Mm. with no communication that would be able to get to all persons who are homeless slash at risk. And it makes sense because you're not going to be able to hit every single person and let everyone know. There's not really an address or something like that to make sure you get every person. So they they cut some of the services immediately. Yes, yes. Like there was shelter, food. Well, there was food. There were food drives that have been um, not food drives, but um, food um, services such as uh, the Thursday food, the feed over at um, the First Presbyterian Church mm-hmm. that immediately closed doors for a moment and um, had to step back and reevaluate how they were going to serve the community while keeping in mind of coronavirus mm. as things were slowly but surely changing with. Boulder County um, implementing things, a lot of the supports for people who are homeless and at risk were pulled away. And a lot of them were left in the dark. It's mm, terrible. It is. And it's saddening because I think back to when I was homeless and I, there were times when I didn't know things. Right. And, and that's a great issue. You, were, you said you were talking to homeless people who didn't even know anything yeah, about the virus. Happening. Exactly. Didn't know anything about the virus happening. Didn't know about its transmute, how to be, how it can be transmuted, how, why people are trying to make sure we're not using re- recycled products like mm-hmm. cups or anything like that. Hand and this washing. is only at the, yeah, hand washing. And this is only at the gas, this is only at the Shell gas station. Well, it's such a important issue because it's a public health issue. Because, yes, it is. Um, what's, I mean, obviously homeless people are probably more susceptible because yeah. they're going to have compromised immune systems. They're more likely yep. to be smoking, you yep. know, things yeah. like that, drinking, whatever. Yeah. And not only that, but with shelters, there's, um, they're crowded typically. So right. very crowded indoor space. Exactly. A lot of strangers. Yes. And that's exactly what the virus loves. And I am, I'm really surprised I haven't heard more people talking about this issue because we've been quarantining and we've been locking down, but I don't hear, I haven't seen anyone talking about the homeless people. See, that's the thing, my friend. That's the thing. I tell you, if you shine a light in just the right place, you'll be surprised what shines back. And there are some great people that are out doing work. I'm going to name shot. I'm going to do a name shout out for one, but two groups mainly is two to three groups mainly as well. One, Darren O'Connor, the amazing, astounding Darren O'Connor. There are too many words that I could say, and I would be here for a good two to three hours and it would be ridiculously long, but beautiful. This man has a heart of gold and character that rivals dragons he is the person that can support when need be, and he stands up for those who can't stand for themselves sometimes. Mm. He, as well as the NAACP, SAFE, Safe Access for Everyone, as well as DSA, Democratic Socialists of America, have been 
influential in not only repeatedly contacting city council, but also pushing towards making sure that there are services for others to utilize. A perfect example, actually, as we walked over here, there was a woman who had um, a face mask on. Yeah, we just said hi to her. Yeah, and she, what, she has, what she's um, doing right now over by where we're at is she has set up a hand-washing station. That's, that's beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. Little basic thing. But it's that simple thing that can help out. And currently as it is right now, or actually as it was temporarily ago, there were issues with restrooms to where designated restrooms were not accessible to people who had disabilities. They were in mm. different aspects. Um, the, the nearest restroom was roughly one mile away from the closest shelter. Mm. And it was uphill, if I'm correct. There were certain parameters that made it to where it was unsafe and unfit for anyone of disability to get over there. And they were, and that's been addressed now? It's been addressed, yes, as of recent late. There, if I can um, be so bold as to read directly from my email, uh, Housing and Human Services, Kurt Finn, Finn, uh, Fern Fern Hyber has changed course and met almost all the requests of the NAACP. There are, these include um, the CRC being available to pick up individuals who are symptomatic to COVID-19 from 6 to 10 p.m. a.m. to 10 p.m. daily. Severe so pick them up? What does that mean? So if they're experiencing issues pertaining to sickness, illness, they can get support picked up, taken to a quarantine area, and have the supports they need to not only get better but to keep stable. That's great. Yes. Yeah. And likewise as well, severe weather shelter being opened. There's also um, the, um, the severe weather shelter being opened and kept at being having access to, for people is important and powerful because there are only like two to three shelters out here in Boulder. And they have, a, they have different um, uh, maximum holdings of people, as well as the fact that some have certain, uh, what's the word for it, doors and, hole, uh, doors and um, barriers you have to get past in order to get the service. So it's imperative that especially with it being as cold as it is, that we have every single outlet of shelter available. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, to me, it's like such an amazing example of something where helping other people is helping yourself. Yeah. Because if we take all these precautions to slow the spread of this virus and we Mm -hmm. forget about homeless people, then what's the point? Because they're going to get it and they're going to spread it. And exactly. That's not going to be good for anyone. No, it's not. So we need to help everyone right now. Yeah. Everyone needs to be helped. We need to have, we need to be like, um, and I'm going to, I love that I'm using this reference right now, but we need to be like Prince from the Dave Chappelle show yeah. with the unity ring. Unity. <laughs> that's what we need right now. Yeah. We need unity, accountability, and integrity. Yeah. We need humbleness to be able to make, a mis- to make mistakes and leaders who are vulnerable enough to show people how to move forward and how to be better. Yep. We need that now more than ever. And I have to say and give a special shout out to Rachel Friend, Adam Swetlick, and Mayor Sam Weaver. I am proud of all of them for taking the time to support homeless persons who were being um, kicked out of a shelter yep. because of um, capacity issues in a snowy night. Mm. It was imperative 
that it is imperative that we have leaders like this that are capable and willing to stand for everyone and support the greater good. Because let's be honest for a moment. It costs about $4,000, $5,000 to take care of someone who dies on the streets. It, takes, it costs about $40,000, uh, $50,000, if I'm correct. It's something around that ballpark. But it's expensive when someone dies yeah. on the streets. And we have to do the cleanup, the, the sanitation, all that stuff like that, the, uh, learning, learning about who they were, all of those things. Mm. It costs money. And it not only costs a lot less, but it builds more humanity for us to do the right thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so you're, I'm happy to hear the positives about Boulder and the mayor and the, these people who are responding that you named. Yeah. Do you have any sense of like the national scene in terms of homelessness? Because we, looking at cities like Seattle, which is one of the yeah. epicenters, they have a huge number of homeless people. Yes, they do. I really wonder what's going on. You know, I don't know a lot of the, ma- the national um, reactions with um, COVID-19 besides some of the things that are knowledgeable that I'm not going to get into because we'll be here all day. You know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'll, I'll say this about that specifically. I'm not one for misinformation and, and, um, and disinformation. I'm not one to put the lives of people who I lead at risk sure. as some of our leaders seek, have seek to do in order to keep things business as usual. Mm. I do not find comfort with that. And there is no way, shape or form that that will last forever. Mm. You cannot keep a lie true yeah the virus doesn't really care what you say or yeah or think it, or it's it coming anyway it doesn't care it's one of the, the virus is like a honey badger with, uh, with trump because yeah. he's he's very good at you know love him or hate him he's, yeah he's very good at playing people's emotions yeah charisma manipulating people charisma and charisma and spinning you know stories mm-hmm. to fit a certain narrative mm-hmm. and the virus just doesn't give a fuck Mm-mm. it's like a honey badger it don't give a fuck <laughs> That's and I I, have, I love that I got that you said that and you don't that I don't give a fuck because that's a meme right there the honey badger <laughs> the honey badger meme huh. I'm hope we go ahead and post that on there for people to see and they'll have a nice yeah. reference to back when memes were awesome and we yeah. can have that tie in of that I I um you know and I I'm glad you said that about the coronavirus because I personally have friends of mine that don't believe in it. I have friends in California really? that don't believe in it, and I don't know how anyone at this point cannot believe in it. You, you'd be surprised. So they be think, what are they, are they thinking it's a hoax? It's yeah. a conspiracy? A hoax, a... conspiracy, um, uh, the whole thing about influenza and because influenza was worse, then it's, uh, it's right. not as bad, all this stuff like that. Those misinformations, which are not yeah. true. Right. Like based right off the bat, I'm just going to say this now, the coronavirus is 30% more infective, if I'm correct, 20 to 30% more infective than the influenza, yep. the, the flu. So and at just, least that time's that much more deadly. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, my bad. It's that more deadly. Yeah. But like even with that, with that there, like it's just the light, simple things of being able to be aware that are easy to mess with. But jumping back to main topic at hand for a moment, my hometown, I, I came from California, as I said before. Right. You know, I have a lot of friends there. I mean, one of my friends is out there that doesn't believe in this stuff. Kind of talked about them a little bit. But I'm proud of my home, my home state specifically. I'm actually proud of them because... Um, the governor there ended up making it to where people who are homeless would be able to utilize hotels and motels um, for the, uh, for the COVID-19 crisis. And I honestly, I challenged my cover buddy, Jared Polis, governor Jared Polis Mm. to follow suit. 
to show do the same thing. Yeah, to not only do the same thing, but to show me that he has that level of humanity because he's shown it so far. And I would never knock a person unless they give me a reason to. And I will never devalue the actions of what they've done good. Never. But at the same time, complacency, complacency is an evil. Yeah. When you do nothing and things happen, you are still responsible, especially as a leader. Mm. That's my personal belief. Yeah. And I'm hopeful that my cover buddy from Yellow Scene Magazine will be able to make sure that he does right by all of us and keeps all of us safe as he's been making this as i've seen him slowly but surely making the steps to that's good you know i also got to say as well shout out to you garbage jerry polis cover buddy for your announcements involving updates to colorado i want to give you that special shout out because that's important i appreciate how he has guided us in the ways that he has even if there is worry it's imperative and important to have leaders who are willing to do that, to lead and guide, to not have all the answers, but to try and do right and seek to do right. Yep. Well, in the, on the topic of homelessness, yeah. I'm really thinking about how many millions of people in this country are going to become homeless because they can't work right now. Exactly. And what is going to happen? And what I think we need to have happen is like a national period of not needing to pay rent. Yeah, because there I mean, have if been, you're, you're living paycheck to paycheck. How yeah. are you going to pay rent? Yeah, and there, then if you're homeless, how is that helping our country? Yeah, there have been moratoriums that have started to take place for rents of uh, March and April, yeah. or um, April and uh, May. Hundred um, percent agree. Yeah, and likewise as well for those of you. And this is just a special um, advice thing. I'm not a lawyer or anything. I'm just a man who cares. I love. <laughs> I love all y'all. Um, don't care if you love me, but I, I still love you anyways. But um, I, I just want to say that all of you who are worried about paying rent or being able to get back on your feet, please know that you only need to look online and you only need to look around and do a light, simple reach out Mm. to see that there are people that are just like you. We are bonded in one common cause right now that everyone is being affected by this. Okay. In some way, shape, or form. And the fact that we all are being affected in a unique shape and way and form means there's an opportunity for many people to unite together yeah. and to stop all the ruckus. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great point. Yeah. Bring us together. It could make, you know, it's helping me feel our common humanity. Yep. And one of the ways that that's happened with the coronavirus is I, every day I open up the news and I see a celebrity or... Prince Charles, you know, heir to the English throne has coronavirus. So it's not, the coronavirus doesn't discriminate. Yes. And uh, if I'm correct too, what's his name from England? Um, The uh, prime minister, Boris Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. He just recently got um, diagnosed. doesn't matter if you're rich or famous. No, it doesn't. Well, only thing that matters with that, honestly though, there is something that matters with it. It's getting testing. Sometimes one of the things we've noticed that a lot of the people who are rich or who have gone out of country have been right. to be able to get tested right. and to get the knowledge. And that's the first step. Yeah. With us having a lack of testing kits, as we are currently experiencing nationally, it's making us get creative. Yeah. If I remember correctly, just recently, Trump did the executive order for um, gathering supplies for the medical, uh, for um, supplying us during this epidemic, if I'm correct, masks, as well as um, tests. I think it was something along those lines, forcing companies to make yeah. them yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I'm. I'm. Well, I think the federal government is purchasing a large number. And of course. Yeah. Them and, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're going to purchase them, but there's a um, there's a thing where he can do an executive order to where oh, he yeah, can yeah, say, yeah. make these for me. It's like a work power. Act. Yes, work power. Yeah, yeah, it's a work power act. In fact, correct. It pertains to actually the Great Depression when the Great Depression happened, and we needed supplies for war, and we had to melt down silver and all those all the different supplies needed for war in order to make sure we were prepared to fight. Yeah. And that's a that's a it's an understandable thing to be able to do. Sometimes you just need to force people to work together. <laughs> sometimes you do. Like it's and that's a real thing. Like there are yeah. sometimes where people don't want to be around each other because of issues from past or certain biases, but let's be blunt and honest, we're all potentially going to be ex- someone someone you know potentially is going to be experiencing homelessness if not yeah. unstable living situations yeah, for at least the next two months at minimum and yeah, be right. vulnerable enough to be there and to be supportive and to be empathetic. If you are one of the lucky few that are not impacted majorly by this, right. be the guiding light and be the example of understanding, especially you two landlords, <laughs> because landlords, I look at y'all as well right now, landowners and landlords, Y'all have an amazing opportunity to not only garner support and assistance, but likewise as well to build those community foundations and to show that you have character. Because this will pass eventually. This virus will. But the one thing that won't pass is the memory of how you may impact the people you serve. That's a good message. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you loud and clear. (laughs) You know, it's caused me to think about, a lot of people talk about our f- financial inequality. Mm-hmm. We've got the 1% of the 1% and we've yep. got everyone else. And yeah. We have this huge, massive disparity in terms of wealth, but mm-hmm. it's made me think about the massive disparity in terms of land ownership and mm-hmm. home ownership. Mm-hmm. And if our economic system, which to a huge degree is based on people working and paying rent, yep. never being able to afford a home, yep. if that income dries up for those people and they can't pay rent, yep. What's going to happen? And those landowners, those those landlords aren't going to be getting their rent money. Yeah. You know, there was a post. It's going to be interesting to watch what happens. Yeah. There I, a po- I wouldn't mind, like, people talk about redistributing wealth. What about redistributing property? That's, um, if I remember correctly, uh, Africa did that. It's called apartheid. It was the, that was the, yeah. um, the cha- with the change of apartheid. And, that's you know, I, I, the, I. That's part of the racial inequality. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with that somewhat, actually. I agree with, you know, redistributing land. Honestly, Boulder, Colorado, for example. Ooh, we're on stolen land. Boulder, Colorado is on stolen land and has yet to repay the Indian, the, the, the people of this land that we stole it from. Oh, that's, and that's a whole other lens, too. I that mean, is. Is that true of Boulder more than anywhere else in this country? Yeah. Because you could say that about anywhere. It, well, you can, but it doesn't devalue. It, it's, it's Being able to say it of anywhere only shows the level of injustices that have taken place and the lack of follow through with rich, with restorative justice pertaining to them. Yeah. That's all that truly shows. It only shows that right. we've done, they've done this more than enough times and gotten comfortable doing it. It's just like how well, it did, it did have, happen here more recently. Huh? It happened here more recently than say on the East coast. Right? Yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, but still, so I feel, yeah. I feel it actually, as a matter of fact, there was another thing just recently where there was treaty land actually being taken literally like day or two ago. I'll, Put the post on there for you, for the people to see. But there is Native American reservation land that is being taken by the government right now and being re-seized, reclaimed, treaty broken. This is literally the life of people of Native American 
heritage that are of tribe. I'm not of a tribe. Tribe, if you want to get at me, reach out to me. But this is the life of them. This is the life of people that have shared my blood, that share my blood. And I speak about this because the fog of the chaos that is around us, with that being around us right now, it's easy for things to go awry during this fog and us not know about it when the dust settles. You know, I'll tell you one right. more thing on, point, go ahead. I mean, yeah, I'll tell you, I was going to say one more, I was going to say one more thing yeah. about homelessness um, with COVID-19. And I, I wanted to say like, I wanted to do a shout out to people that are supporting others during this crisis, during this current events. I wanted to tell you, thank you. I don't understand everything you're going through right now, but I do understand things being unstable and scary. And if you empathize with these feelings, just know I see you and we will make it out of here together. We make it out of here together with support and community work. People from all sides of the aisle working together Mm. on this matter for homelessness. We need all sides working together. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And just talking with you here outside, the sun just came out, which feels mm-hmm. great. And mm-hmm. uh, I just remembered right before we started recording, mm-hmm. I went to that gas station with you mm-hmm. and I tried, I, I said, can I buy some double A batteries? Yep. And they looked and the guys who worked there said, oh, we're sold out. We've been sold out of batteries, you know, because mm-hmm. of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And another customer in there overheard our conversation, mm-hmm. ran out to his car, mm-hmm. ran back in and gave me some double A batteries. Yep which I needed to record this. So yes. that was a beautiful moment. Yep. Without this person being humane and showing character and humanity, we would not be able to bring this to you at this time. Yeah. We might've been set back a little bit. Yeah. And it's moments of humanity like this that show us to do well. And I must say though, as well, there are still, I am aware of that there are still people in Boulder, Colorado that are still stuck in the old mentality of ways I am aware that there are people that are stuck in the mind frames of old and treating people less than. And I just have to say as well to all of you that please be aware. We are in dire times right now. Yeah, like your actions actually really matter right now. Yeah, they matter right now, now more than ever. And quite honestly, now that... I am a man who has been freed from his leash. I must say that I'm going to be out a bit more watching the streets. I'm going to be watching because I'm one of the few people that will say something and will speak up and check you. I have the community behind me and I have people who care about me that support me in what I do. And honestly, for the past year, I've been fighting this fire of wanting to step up and wanting to be greater. And it took me a moment of dealing with the traumas that I've experienced last year that I would love to talk to you about in the future to elaborate what it feels like to be a young man of color experiencing a cover-up. I would love to speak to you about that and address that because in time, I feel as if these truths, when they come to light, will bring more change and support other people in the ways that we're supporting now. The supports now can be a constant somewhat. We can keep things going in a way to where 
people are supported for the future. There shouldn't be a virus to force people to be humane mm. and mindful of others. Mm. That should already be a natural given. Yeah. And that's just the maybe, truth. Maybe what, I hear, what I'm hearing you say and what I'm thinking about is like maybe this virus will cause us to restructure society in a better way. I hope so. If not, at the minimum is to keep the awareness of what the reality is and to start pushing it towards that. Yeah. Because we can be better. Yeah. And we are showing that there are parts, <laughs> there are people in this government, in government, and as well in the community that are better. And I'm starting to see more and more lights in the darkness than I really thought was possible. Well, maybe we can, uh, just while I have you, like, I kind of want to name some things that I see could change for the better. Go. And the number one most obvious thing that no one, no one is going to go through the coronavirus and not see this. Like, we need to redo our healthcare system. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Wake up. Yeah, because the 17-year-old that passed. He pa- the didn't have health insurance, right? Yeah, didn't have health insurance. The se- we lost a 17-year-old. Yes, it should be a crime. It should be inhumane. It should be an inhumane crime to allow a 17-year-old to die from not having medical not insurance. Health insurance. Yes, to not have health insurance. In, it, in the United States of America, the wealthiest country in the history of the world. And but yet yeah, we're the only one that doesn't have equal health care. So there's that. I mean, that's that's just huge. I yeah. Mean, that's impu- How long have we been talking about this and doing nothing about it? It's too long. Too long. And I, I got to say, not to get too political or anything, but this is, I love how um, a lot of the things that Bernie Sanders has said oh, yeah. are coming around. Yeah. And I, as a Bernie, as a Bernie bro, that's a very good person and a proper person, all that stuff like that, character leadership wise. I'm proud of him being aware and right but still being supportive of the community and mm. being supportive of us. If I remember correctly, this wonderful man spoke up for people who have un- who need unemployment and made sure that those in un- unemployment were getting services from the federal government. So hats off to you, Bernie. Yeah. Not he, me, he also us. He gave his uh, campaign resources to helping fight coronavirus yes. and supporting people. And- not me. Hashtag not me, us. This, these type of leadership qualities are important. And we must never ever forget that when we were in our darkest moments, the leaders that stepped up and led us through, we must never forget that because to forget that means we do not remember our history, nor do we care to appreciate those that have supported us throughout our history. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then number two, and this is probably more controversial. Go ahead. But a place to live. Yeah. Basic human right. Healthcare, yeah. a place to live. I don't believe yeah. we should be living yeah. in a society where if you don't get paid next month, yep. you can't pay rent and you yep. are out on the streets. I agree. I don't think I, I don't think we should be set up that way. I think I everyone agree. should have a place to live. I agree. My friend, actually, as a matter of fact, I'm glad you said that. My friend Graham Hill um, recently sent a message to the NAAC, um, to NAACP and uh, forwarded around. And he was talking about providing... Um, housing, um, not housing opportunities, but shelter opportunities, campground opportunities for people who are um, at risk or potentially going to become at risk at parks, Mm. at ballparks, at the stadium. And it makes so much sense to have some safe place right now. Yeah. It makes so, so much sense. Think about it this way. A lot of these giant professional sports stadiums are built with taxpayer dollars. They cost hundreds or even billions of dollars. Mm Mm-hmm. For a privately owned 
sport team to make a bunch of money off of. That mm-hmm. makes no sense. No, it doesn't. Ta- it's a, it should be a public good. Those stadiums yeah. should belong to the people that yeah. built them, which yeah. is us, the taxpayers. Yeah, they yeah. should. And, you know, this it's moments like that that would be amazing for people who are either in power or utilizing um, properties that are vacant to step in and step up. Yep. We can do this together, but... I, I, I see as well that not everyone wants to do it together, mm. you know, and it's, it's, it's a bit disheartening, yeah. but that does not ever change my infectious hope that <laughs> we will be able to, and that yeah. we will overcome. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see my list here. How about number three? Go ahead. Access to healthy food. Yes. Not, I'm not talking about Doritos. I'm not talking about McDonald's. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about vegetables, yeah. <laughs> fruit. Yeah. <laughs> like basic grains, basic yeah. cooking oil. Yeah. You know, it would be, because, very, yeah. it would be, very, it would be very interesting now for after, as current events have happened for us to start taking that mind frame of a backup way to provide food for our community. Mm. Because I feel as if it is best to have many options in order to deal with things. It's better to have a backup plan than to not be ready with any plan. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth. Oh, I was going to say earlier, one of the things that this crisis has shown is like, we need to respect scientists. We need to respect yes. experts. Yes. The Trump administration was cutting, was, they had just submitted a proposal to cut funding to the World Health Organization and to some of these research scientists right before coronavirus hit. Yep. I'm they, glad they you said cut, that. The Republican Party wants to cut funding for everything like that. Mm-hmm. And it's ridiculous. And if I remember correctly, you said, we're not using them. They're just sitting around. So there was no <laughs> reason. And hello. <laughs> yeah, legitimately. And I, I find a frustration with this as well. And I appreciate, I want to say as well, I appreciate um, the scientists and all those wonderful people who are the medical professionals, all those are who are on the front lines in that sense. I appreciate you and support you. And I understand that you are, you may be scared or worried and just know that's natural. But when you are scared, it's important to do something with that fear. It's important to not be paralyzed. It's important to be able to answer the call. And I appreciate all of you answering the call as you have. We are indebted to you. There is only a limited amount of medical professionals and these people do not have the proper medical um, equipment to make sure that they are secured and safe. Right. And I it's mean, not that, proper. That's the scary thing that they, they're the ones at most risk of getting sick. Yeah. And, and they're the ones scary. who keep us healthy. And they're the ones that we need the most right now. Mm, yeah. It's such a double edged sword. Yeah. And I, I envy, you know, I envy um, as, much, I, as much as I envy the knowledge and experience of medical professionals, I don't envy that for all the work they've done, people do not take them as seriously as they should. Mm. I understand with me being a medical marijuana smoker, reefer badness. I, that's my personal thing. I understand it. Well, that, while you're on that subject, do you want to speak to that? Because that's connected with your, your traumatic brain injury you yeah. spoke about. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as a, I'm, I'm a medical marijuana patient. I actually ended up um, becoming a medical marijuana patient before I got a brain injury, actually. When I was 16 years old, I ended up getting addicted to some ADHD medication that I was taking. After, prescription? Yeah, prescription. After um, going to rehab for alcohol abuse. It was a tough time being a high school student. Mm -hmm. But after that, I turned towards marijuana because it helped me not only get out of school, but also it helped me move forward through school and keep um, to addressing my PTSD that I've experienced. Mm -hmm. Because I've had PTSD ever since I was six years old. 
I have, I went 13 years going every single day, reliving a memory of trauma. And it was very, um, somewhat maddening sometimes, but likewise as well, it was very amazing. Severe PTSD. Yeah. Severe PTSD. And with that being young, it goes from that to a lot of the traumas I've experienced where I've had to stand up for myself and fight for myself leading to when in February, 2018, I sustained a brain injury that caused me, um, not only the TBI symptoms, but also non-epileptic seizure disorder and um, even worse, anxiety issues. So marijuana has helped me keep calm and keep sane Mm. through the madness of, you know, losing my mind. And I'm going to be honest with you, I've lost my mind three times. Mm. I've had to crawl back from madness three times in my life. And I'm glad that not only each each and every time that I experienced it, I got smarter and wiser with how I address things and getting supports. Mm. I became more and more vulnerable to being open and honest about what I'm experiencing because it was those type of dialogues that helped me not have seizures anymore. Mm. You know? And even as we talk... types of dialogues, like that process of... Go ahead. Can you speak more to that? Yeah, so process... Those type of dialogues include um, processes of being able to address things transparently and honestly... And not carrying stress or the weight of trauma uh, upon me. Yeah. So relieving that stress through talking honestly, yeah. openly. Mm-hmm. That's and ha- beautiful. Yeah. That's and having, having real, di- real meaningful dialogues because it's... You're talking about mental health. Yeah. Major mental health. Yeah. And it's, it's it, having the ability to not only rise to the air like a dragon, but also being able to be grounded. Because mm. it's very easy to go one side or the other. Yeah. It's been very easy for a moment. I've delved on both sides there have been there have been times where i've been too space-headed and too lost Mm -hmm. and on the opposite there have been times where i've been too grounded and too depressed Mm. yeah you know and i'm thankful for that that i've been through these things because i think i might have said it earlier but it's those experiences that have helped shape me to who i am now it's those trials that have helped me become who I know I need to be and to change what I know I need to change. Um, as much as I find a sadness of some of the failures I've made during my, my issues of recovering you know, mental sanity, I find humbleness in them. I find a humbleness to not only be able to speak to them transparently, but to hold a higher regard for anyone who could own their mistakes and actions. Mm. It's one thing to speak Thanks. about making them, but it's another to own. And that's kind of where we started. Yeah. 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 Well, that's how we make progress. That's how we grow. That's how we, that's how we're human together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly how we're human together. The things that tie us that, you know, that's, there's another thing I say about that. It's human to err but it's divine to own it and to seek to, uh, to seek to, uh, make amends. Mm. It's, it's divine. And we need more divinity in this world now more than ever. Yeah. So all of you angels, please come on out. Yeah. Spread your wings. Let your light be seen. <laughs> mm. It's beautiful. 
<laughs> and we all need to take care of our own mental health now as well as our physical health because yeah. what you were just speaking to, stress, anxiety, yep. holding things back too much, letting yep. it build up in your system. Yep. That impacts your immune system. That it impacts does. your physical health. Yep. So, absolutely. And yeah. that's, you know, that's why I said earlier about how I can understand with some of the people. You know, there's, it's been an interesting ride. There's not a lot of things that I've experienced that are directly related but the feelings and emotions that I've experienced, as I said before, have helped me be a pillar of light towards people and support and guide people through these times. Mm. And it has also been a check for my inner flame. Because even though I'm a fire breather, I still got some fire within my voice. And I have to be mindful not only to not burn myself, but others. Mm. Yes. <laughs> mindful speech. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast again. Of course. It's Big, an honor. Important issues and. uh Appreciate your perspective and experience. and yeah. yeah. I mean, how often do you have someone who's walked four to five, or actually, my bad, about seven to eight different life, life, lifestyles in <laughs> 27 years and has a plethora of empathy? Yeah. You know? And I, I appreciate you giving um, not only me the platform, but also the people who are doing the Lord's work, the Creator's work, as well as those who are needing support and guidance. You help me do my part in the world and i am humbled by your by your by you helping me with that so thank you thank you if you enjoyed this conversation please consider showing us some love and supporting the show you can do so by sharing this conversation episode and podcast with your friends with neighbors on your social media accounts that really makes a big difference you can write us a review on your favorite podcast app and you can visit patreon.com backslash the state of mind Uh, Links to all this and more on our website, estateofmindplay.com. A little bit of support really goes a long way. Please consider giving us even a couple dollars, five dollars, ten dollars. Imagine that this is the point in a show when I, the conductor, pass around my top hat and everyone in the audience, however many of you there may be, puts in a dollar or two. Thank you so much. I'll see you here next time.